0: For more information on this topic or on the subject of disciple making in general, look us up online at brown2green.org or send us an email directly at podcast at 2 greenorg Thanks for listening.
1: You are now listening to The Great Awakening, a disciple making podcast brought to you by Brown to Green. And now for your host, Michael Ferris, Travis Evans, and Stanton Cole.
2: Thank you for tuning in to the Great Awakening of Brown to Green podcast. We're going to pick up where we left off last week and hear the rest of Chris Moix's story and how Brown to Green got started.
1: So how many, how many years now? So that was year one. Mm -hmm. So where where are you now? You're at year eight. Year eight. Year eight of making disciples. Year eight of making disciples. (laughs) Learning new things every time. All the time. (laughs) All All the time. Every group's different. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like it, it floors me how every year I go, I will never do what I did last year again. <laughs> you know, every year I say that. And like the, the grace of the Lord to me is this: is that you know we we teach that it takes five thousand hours for you to be good, ten thousand hours before you become a professional. May it never be, may it never be that we do not need Jesus to make a disciple.
1: Come on, yeah,
0: man, yeah. that that would be the most detrimental thing that I think you could you could yeah. muster up.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's right there in the Word of Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. He goes, I know that I'm with you, right? <laughs> He's like, know that I'm with you as you go forth and make disciples, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I am with you, right? right? I'm abiding with you, you know, unbroken fellowship. So, yeah, let it, yeah. yeah. You know, unfortunately, we, we're doing it without him. We're probably not doing it. <laughs> I mean, that seems significant because
2: it says, I mean, in Matthew 28, he says, I have been given all authority, right? to, to the, like, it's a joint authority. Like he's going with you. He's got the authority. You're walking with him. You're relying on his authority. Right.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so eighth year of making disciples. Um, and like you had mentioned earlier, like the amount of transformation that you watch in making disciples Yeah. and the amount of like the pillars of faith that it builds inside of you inside of you um and the spiritual kids you know that it gives you like all the gospels become become alive right like even in this moment like watching you guys put this podcast together like like we use this language all the time what jesus what paul says he says i have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the light and there's just great joy in watching the people you've surpass you like it's it is the ways of jesus when 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 john came and said man i must become less so they can become greater I must become less so that jesus can become greater and as jesus becomes greater in you guys's life like it does nothing but joy like overflowing joy
3: hey hey, to bounce back so that that word fruit right it's it's how you is that how you say it in the greek right and like like we know that the definition of that right is is two life streams coming together to produce something that's eternal right like Mm -hmm. it's us and jesus coming together so like you can't you can't make right right on your own like it has to be with in in conjunction with you. yeah
2: I love that picture that you just painted, Chris, because it's the same picture that uh, Michael painted in the first episode when he's talking about his, watching his somebody that he was discipling teach him something. Right, It's like this picture of humility because like we see that in Jesus perfectly. I mean, it's John fourteen twelve is what I was reminding of says, I truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will do because I am going to the father, right? Like this is a picture of the same humility that Jesus had where he's, I mean, he is, um, he's God in man form saying that you will do greater things than I am.
0: Yeah. You begin to understand that everything that Jesus says matters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. It, it matters. Absolutely. Like when he says that I am the way, like we, we have found it. Yes. And it's, it's not been hidden from us. We just haven't as a church in the West been practicing it. But it, it is true. Like I am the way I'm one of the guys I'm walking with right now. He, he's a pastor. Like he's walking through the same things that I walk through, going, I think I've wasted, I think I've wasted my life on things that didn't matter. And uh, the Lord was super gracious to him in the Word. And one thing that came out of his mouth, he goes, he goes, I did what they taught me to do, Mm -hmm. meaning the Western Church. And and the Word of the Lord to him in the Scripture was like, like, learn from me. Come on, right? Learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." light, right? And it, and you, you watched his face completely shift. Like there was some repentance that needed to happen, but at the same time, he he found is freedom to where a week later as he sat in that says "In the first time in seven years i have found purpose and vision for my life come on yeah yeah, because he knows the truth and the truth sets us free
1: amen amen that's that's good that's super good through this process of making disciples you find yourself from kansas city the hc Heritage church in oklahoma Mm -hmm. right yeah and so man you you come here and you begin to start a movement of disciple making Mm. And so, mean like r- real quick, like what is the definition of a movement? Yeah,
0: um man, it's it is the thing worth giving your life to, right? Like I can remember having the crisis of belief in ministry of going like I'm out, like I'm not I'm not doing this. And I was reading through the Forgotten Ways through Alan Alan Hirsch's book, The Forgotten Ways, which is just a remake of another book. But in that, he writes out the formula for a movement. Number one is a white hot faith that Jesus is Lord, you know, which comes through persecution, but we've learned also comes through obedience. Yeah, right? hearing his voice, no bang. Number two was man like being committed to making disciples who can make a disciple who share a common culture and language Number three is working out of your apest and number four is that word communitas, which basically means that then everything you do is designed to make more disciples from every community and I I remember reading that going like I don't want to give my life to 10 campuses in 10 years and I don't want to give my life to a large church and I don't want to give my life to building more buildings and I don't want to give my life to uh, making rent payments like I don't want to do this but what I have found what I have found to be true is that I will give my life for movement of jesus christ come on right i will give it for that yeah like it is like it is a it is a worthy space to lay down my life for that come you know? on and if jesus can do it in me and, and, and several other people like like it's worth it amen like it's worth it amen yeah.
1: how how long ago was it when that man that got pressed on you
0: that was the this the spring before we started making disciples so like the small groups were crashing down around me you know and uh like i could see the, the, the fruit of my arrogance yeah like that's where it was revealed. You know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, like light shining down on me. It was just a, a moment of going like, this is, this is it. Yeah. This is it.
1: So eight years ago that was pressing you eight years ago. Would you say that you've, you've seen a movement of that? Is that yeah. fair? Is that a fair that like, I mean, eight years ago, would you have seen like, I've I've seen this before. I've never seen this before.
0: Yeah. Well, since I don't have anything to compare it to, you know, um, it's hard, it's hard to know, but I have, I have met spiritual grandchildren and I've met spiritual great-grandchildren and I've met spiritual great-great-grandchildren. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know for sure exactly what it is that it looks like. Um, but I have been in the room with, with men who have been making disciples much longer than I have, and I have seen the fruit that they've produced. And they are the most kindest, gentlest, quietest men in the corner. Come on. They're clothed in humility, right? And one particular man, his name is Professor Bruce. And and I sat with him for a little bit and I said, I said, I said, you, you walk and you see all these house churches planted around you. You see generations of the gospel playing out because you invested in a few men back in the nineties. Yeah. And I said, I said, what does this do to you? And he said, Chris, for the last 10 years, he said, I sit in the corner of all these spaces and I tell the Lord that I am not worthy of this. I look at his life, you know, as a man who's, you know, probably thirty years ahead of us in this process. Yeah, and I go, like, Jesus, like, let me finish this well.
2: Come on. So, so you're talking about spiritual family, right? You're talking about grandchildren and spiritual grandchildren, great and great grandchildren, and like, man, I I want to know. I want I want people to hear, like, how have your relationships changed as a result of the spiritual family?
0: Oh, staying spiritual family is a game changer. You know, um, like a guy I discipled last year, his name is Tyler. And he's, um, he's in his thirties and he's just like had so much transformation. It's just, it's, it's been so cool to watch, but those are his words. Spiritual family is a game changer. Like, I I don't know exactly how to explain it, you know, honesty, except that it's a gift from Jesus where he chooses to reveal himself in a new way. You know, like I'm reminded of the, of the text in second in Peter where it says, all of us who are like, all of us are like, like Jesus is the precious stone. And as we come to him, we become like him and we get spiritual family and we become priesthood of the believers. And there's there is something significant to spiritual family that's hard to put your finger on, but it is a complete game changer in walking with our faith.
1: Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that,
3: Chris. We uh, you taught on on that um, that verse out of Second Peter, yeah. right? Like being made into living stones, spiritual house, mm-hmm. right? Uh, j- just a couple of weeks ago, and like it was it was significant, and we you know we've been gathering in in homes because of this because of this covid virus and um and like you taught that and and we streamed that in the house and then like as we're as we're holding that up as a mirror to our lives you know in the house with with the group of people that we're with and like it was significant how that how that like became the word of the lord for some people and some obedience to walk out to like, let this be a mirror for your life how's it going to change the way you do
0: things? yeah yeah like i I loves like even in this moment travis where you pick up the story of covid right and you talk about meeting in in houses the disease like the like whatever jesus is doing like he's he's allowing us to test drive the process of been of making disciples for the past three years and so as the homes are open because there's royal priests in there like all of you guys including myself we're building new new spiritual families in our homes yeah and what's what's significant about it if you're listening to us and you're like Like, here's what you got to know is that disciple making is impervious to money. It's impervious to buildings. It's impervious to disease. It's impervious to sickness. Like it's, it's impervious. Like there's, like it truly is the vehicle by which Jesus says the gates of hell cannot stop it.
1: Amen. Amen. And as you're talking about spiritual families, reminded of Mark 3, 31, 35, it says, and his mother and his brothers came standing outside. They sent him and called him and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother, and my brothers. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers for whoever does the will of God. He is my brother and sister and mother. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I think that's I think that's kind of the picture of disciple making, right? Like, man, like as you walk out Matthew twenty-eight, the Great Commission, as you're doing the will of the Father, yeah. like He starts to knit us together in this crazy way. And like what you say is true. Like we, I can't figure it out, right? Like I mean, it is it's insane. Yeah. You know, we've seen some like I mean, we we inch, we mentioned in the first episode, but I think I think I remember the first time meeting Stanton. I think it was back in Tennessee. And I don't think we really had much of a conversation. I don't know if you were there in Tennessee for the for the mm-hmm. conference. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was the first time I remember. I don't
1: think we really had much of a conversation, but man, I remember you came down to Moix's house when we had a big, um, I think we were watching a, a basketball game, right? Or something like, yeah, I think someone threw a projector up in the oh, backyard and Stan was there, but man, like it was in oh, the yeah. moment, like, like as we were making disciples, right? Stan's meant like, as we're walking out the will of the father, as we're abiding, yeah. we meet some people from Kansas city. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, we were in together. It's instant family. Yeah. Exactly and right. every time we get together, like the Lord continues to do this together where it's like, we don't feel like strangers. It's not awkward. Like you know, we kind of talked about the first episode. Like it's not this awkward moment you walk into a room. And you're like, oh, what do I say? Yeah. Like, you know what to talk about because the conversation is Jesus, and the conversation just flows, right? Yeah. You know, and it's it's like moments of this, like too, where you can be out in that Walmart and you and a guy bump together, and next thing you know, you're talking about Jesus. You're like, man, like we're brothers in Christ. Yeah. You know, because like, you're attached yeah. to the same vine and we're walking out the will of the Father. Like we both remain in Him. Yeah. And it's just, man, I and it's so hard to like it is hard to kind of pinpoint what this is, but man, there's something significant about when we begin to walk out the will of father. Ice like, man, these are my brothers. Yeah. These are my sisters. These are my mother. Right. Yeah. And man, like we see that. I know, I know there's a family as me and my household has opened up our house. They were kind of on the fringe, you mm. know, like they came, they came to HC, they came to on Sunday worship. Yeah. But man, they were kind of on the fringe and they would come in. And I, the truth is, I discipled their son. It was Joey Heatley. It's the Heatley family. And, mm. and it's okay for me to say this because I've said it to them a hundred times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, man, but they were on the fringe and they had some conversations, small conversations. And it's beautiful. Like his wife or his mom, not his wife, his mom, Virginia, has been invited in by Jill English. And so, man, but they begin to come to our house Sunday morning. Mm. And so in that moment of the, where we were once strangers, like the Lord started to knit us together, closer together, because, man, the truth is, like, we're all walking out the wheel. Like, they begin to abide. They begin to remain in each other. And really, the truth is, like, the blessing of COVID-19, it's actually got a lot of people to slow down and be still. And those who truly are believers, like, man, like they're walking out the word where it says, be still, know I'm God, and I will be exalted among the nations. And they're being still, and they're starting to remain in Him. And they're beginning, like, well, what else can I do other than open my Bible? But the Lord is so sovereign. And those moments yeah right and he's blowing their minds to where they're getting hooked as a deer pants for water so does my soul pant for you oh lord and they begin to thirst and hunger for the things of the kingdom right right? and so i'm like we we're watching this family completely shift and change their mind and believe the good news is heaven breaks through right like we got to walk virginia through a learning circle and we watched her get to hear the voice of the lord it was significant right Mm -hmm. And it was that moment where it was like man like these are no longer strangers but this is family, right this is this is family, yeah and it's this awesome picture you know and so man, like it, it's a game changer yeah. like it changes everything because <laughs> yeah. the truth is like you're like man like we have the lord but we're, we're not alone we have we have spiritual fam mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah john 10 becomes true yeah like i have sheep they can hear my voice both well, in and outside of the pen yes let must go to them too it's it's true you know it reminds me still too of like 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 you and stanton's um immediate connection right like you guys connection with the the, the disciple makers from kansas city like it's in the story of the movement piece where it's like, like step two is disciples who make disciples who share a common culture and language, but you don't get there until there's a white, hot faith that Jesus is Lord of all the earth. Amen. And those two things have, have knit us together with, with people from all over the country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast is powered by Brown and Green. So would yeah. you explain Brown and Green to us for those <laughs> who don't know? Uh,
0: yeah. So as we started making disciples and we started, like, really, like, separating um, the, the average church grower to the man who said, I am a disciple who makes another one, all right like there was a clear shift in that right and so we, we would gather because we spend so much time like we would spend so much time working on sunday right and so much time working um in in that world that when we would gather the disciple makers into a room like it was completely different like yeah. everything was different like it was men who were full of the spirit all in the same space and and, and the roof would just kind of rise like you, d- you didn't have to have some kind of special music there was no entertainment like it was like you didn't even need a guitar like the the, wor- the room was gonna was gonna boil over whether you wanted to do or not, because there were men who had been with Jesus all together in one space. And it, it, it wasn't watered down with um, people who hadn't been. Yeah. And, and it just became clear in that moment. And I'm, I'm not sure where the name came from, but we realized that, that, that this is something different. Like Sunday morning may not be the church. All right. Or maybe I'll just say it Sunday morning is not the church. <laughs> all right. Yeah. The church by definition is the Ecclesia, the ones who have been called out, the ones who stand by the King and then, and then go decree his verdicts. All yeah. right. Yeah. And so you cannot be part of the Ecclesia if you do not go around the King. All right. And and statistically, the majority of people on Sunday morning are not around the king, which is why Sunday morning cannot really be called the church. Sunday morning is really efficient for us to find more disciples to get around the king. Right. Yeah. Um, Don't crucify me for that, people. That's (laughs) that's, that's what we've seen. But when we gather disciple makers, we're like, here's the church and it looks drastically different. Right. And so we so somewhere along the line, like somebody, somebody stood up and said, hey, we are like. Psalms one, we are like trees planted by the river of life, whose leaves are green and in due season will bear fruit. And we had all gone from, from death to life, from brown to green. And somewhere along the line, man, somebody sent out a hashtag and said, hashtag brown to green. And it just became a tagline for us that when the makers gather, like the house of the Lord is in play. And, um, uh, man, there's, there's hope in that and there's peace in that <laughs> more. So man, like there's authority that wherever we walk, things go from dead to life. Yeah. Right. It it just kind of like it wasn't one of those things that you threw the wall that just stuck. Like it was the word of the Lord. Like it's who we are. Nobody owns it. Nobody manages it. We we are either people who turn brown things to green or we're not. Right. On. <laughs> and once you have played in that world, there is no going back.
1: Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you know? Yes, for sure. And so, man, I, I have two. Two questions for you, yeah. right? First question number one: What's the biggest thing through the process of making disciples that Jesus has taught you? Probably the most significant.
0: Yeah, can I give you two?
1: Yeah, you can.
0: <laughs> of course, of course. I would say the first one is that He is who He says He is. Like every word that is uttered from His mouth that has been recorded in this book is completely true, and we will not escape it. Like it will bring us life or it will bring us death. And the second thing that I I think is probably my biggest learning is that I. Can like He will continue to teach me how this works until I die. And I still have not figured it out. And it's kind of a joy to know that, that every year I look back going, man, I wish I'd done something different there. I wish I'd done this better, or done this. But, but every year I progress with the Lord in the process of making disciples. And every year he teaches me until I see him face to face, he will not stop teaching me how this works. And I'm grateful because it keeps me humble
1: and it keeps me attached to him. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. Almost um, forgot the second question. It was so good. <laughs> 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 second question number two yeah. and really it's it's a two-part question yeah right how like how would you encourage those that are on the process of making disciples mm-hmm. and for those who are not yet been picked up or those who don't know really what it even looks like yeah. like how would you encourage them
0: yeah so if i hear you right you would you're asking me how do i encourage those who are actually making disciples right now right and then how do i encourage those who have not been picked up into a discipling relationship who are listening yeah yeah um and like I'm, I'm shifting a little bit. Um, for for those of you, I'm going to take the second question first. All right. Sure. We, we have this, this process in place where we, we, we invite people into our lives and we walk with them until they're confident enough in Jesus to go make more disciples. Right? Um, but the honest truth of it is, is that it's a mandate, no matter what, it's just, it's just a mandate. And what Jesus says for spiritual infants is the same that he says for spiritual parents, go and make disciples. I am with you. My authority rolls through your veins, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And so for, for me, like if you're waiting to be discipled, I would encourage you start making disciples. Just start, start inviting somebody into your home, and whatever Jesus has taught you, you teach them. That's simple. Whatever the, whatever the word of the Lord is for you, like tell them, right? Break bread with them, eat with them. Like, there's no sense in you waiting for somebody to disciple you when the command is for you to go ahead and start making disciples. Like, my good friend Dustin Murray says, like, if you break stuff in your obedience, there. There, we're just practicing our faith. Come on, don't break stuff in your disobedience. All right, right. So, progress forward in your walk. Like, there's no need to wait when, when it's a cl- clear command from Jesus to go get started. Amen. Right? He will teach you what you need to know. Like, I'm reminded of what he says. He said, The Holy Spirit will come, and he will remind you of all things old. And he will teach you all things new. I'm living proof that you can disciple people without being discipled. Because at the end of the day, you know that we are not discipling people to ourselves, that we are discipling them towards Jesus.
1: Yes. And if
0: they can hear his voice, they can disciple others. It's that simple. All right. Man, for those of you who are actually making disciples, um, man, what would I say to you? I would say to you that every bit of it matters. Like I'm reminded of in this moment, like I'm reminded of like walking with you, Stanton Cole, right? And not knowing what I was doing, yet here you are. You know, and I'm reminded of, of my crew that I ran on, on on um on Tuesday night. Like as far as I know, not one single one of those guys are making disciples right now. All right. Not one single one of them. And there were there were way too many of them in there, right? But not one single one of those people are making disciples. Right. And then on that third crew that I ran that same season, like we started with ten, um, four of them do not like me. All right. And yeah. some some probably for good reason. Um, But the six that stayed, all right, one has gone on to meet the Lord face to face, and, and and the other four, the other five, are continuing to make disciples. Right? And so, man, the results are not on you. Like your obedience is to do what Jesus has asked you to do. Like you are to ask men to come and follow you and make them fishers of men as best as you know how. And the results are on the Lord. Whether you get a fisher of men that's a 100 or whether you get a fisher of men that's a 60 or whether you get a fisher of men that's a 30, the results are on the Lord. Whether you get a multiplier of five that goes to 10 or a multiplier of two that goes to four or whether you get a multiplier of one where the Lord says, hey, I'm taking the one thing from you and giving it to someone else. The results are not on you. Your only, your only thing is to hear what Jesus says to you and to do it. Come oh, on, man. That's it. And so, no matter how dark it gets or how awesome it becomes, man, like you do not miss what Jesus is doing in you as you do the as you as you walk out your obedience before Him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, man, that brings a question number three. <laughs> right. rolling, I, think it's, I think it's fair. Yeah. So, man, I thought you said
2: two questions. <laughs> I yeah, <did>. Michael. <laughs> yeah. I did
1: say two questions, but man, as we begin to like, as you begin to mandate people, right? Yeah. Like, as you're saying, like, man, like, go walk in the things that Jesus has told you to go do, like, go make disciples. Yeah. So, in that, what, like, how did you find people peace, people yeah. to disciple? What highlighted Stanton Cole to you? Yeah. What highlighted Travis Evans to you? And yeah. What highlighted me to you?
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Ooh. Specifically? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Well, with Stanton Cole, here's, here's what I remember about Stanton Cole. Um, me and Stanton were hanging, um, we were hanging movie screens in the church. Stanton, you remember this? yeah and we were we were yeah i was gonna say yeah i mentioned
2: it uh on the first episode when we were talking
0: oh yeah. yes you did yeah <laughs> <laughs> we were lacing these screens up like shoestrings man they were huge August yep. screens we didn't know what we were doing there either no nope. um, <laughs> <laughs> but Stan, I don't, I don't know if you remember this. Right. And, and I know that it still like, it still had your identity kind of tied up with it. But, yeah. but we were behind there. Like we were breathing in all kinds of insulation. And you, you told me that you thought it was time for Jesus to do something more with you. Right? Yep. And so like, like when this process came, like those words, they, they resonated in my soul and they were in my back pocket. And so, so you were one of the first ones. That much to your dismay, <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Not at all. But that's kind of how, that's how, that's how Stanton came along. All right. He and I became good friends through first impressions ministry. And like, it was, but I remember him telling me going, it's, it's time for me to, that Jesus wants more from me. Right, um, Like with Travis Evans, like when I came hmm. here to, um, when I came here to hair church, like I was, um, the, the place was spiritually dead. Like we were in a room with a bunch of men and, and the room was just full of spiritually dead people. And we were talking about like, if you see Jesus doing it, do it. And I was reminding them of Luke chapter six, where he's, Jesus went on the mountain and he spent all night praying with the Lord. Right. And and I had just laid that at their feet going, man, when was the last time any of you did that? And then I'm driving home. It's like three o'clock in the morning, I'm going from Oklahoma back to Kansas city. And I get a phone call from a friend from one of the guys who was on the pastor search committee named Roland. And he said, Hey, Travis, wanted me to tell you that the first time you stay up all night, like he'll do it with you. And I said, well, he's my first
1: disciple." Come on.
0: Right. Um, and then for you, MF, like, like, um, like if you remember, like you called me because you, your uncle works at the hospital and you said, hey, like if you want some help getting Rachel in, because my wife at the time was walking through ovarian cancer, and you called me and said, hey, if you want um, some help getting her connected to OU, I'm here to help you, right, which then turned into a lunch for me and you. And as I listened to you, I could hear your apest. So I began to go, man, like, like, like Jesus just began to highlight you with me going like he's, he's on the list. And so as this story progressed, like it wasn't long after that, that I I gave you a a covenant yeah, and then you tried to run away. (laughs) (laughs) But as we ate Ron's hamburgers that day, like the Lord's like, like he's on the list and praise God for all of y'all now, like Jesus knows what he's doing. yeah. You know, he knows what he's doing. I wish I'd picked as good as all y'all, you know,
1: And, and so in that, man, like what is, what's some good, like advice for those who are searching for people to disciple?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, like, like Jesus's words are true, you know, like in, in the story where he says to go find people, people, peace and stay with them. Like we don't quite understand what all that means. Like even, even eight years in, like, I still don't understand what all that means. Like I, I miss it still to this day. Right. Um, but here's, here's, here's what I've learned. It's like the the professor, Bruce, the one I was telling you about earlier, who's a movement, like he told me this. He said, Chris, I quit looking for people a long time ago, and I told the Lord to simply just send me people. And he said, from that day on, there has always been a plethora of people for me to disciple. I've not quite gotten there to that point yet. But I do know what good soil looks like. Like in the parable of the soil, it says the people who, who are good soil, it says they hear the voice of the Lord, they receive it, and they act upon it, right? Yeah. And so we we use this idea here at H.C. where we're like, man, test the soil. Like, give them the word, see if they will receive it, and then see if they will act upon it, right? And it may be that you need to do that two or three times, but test the soil. And as you find people who are hungry and who hear the voice of the Lord, who will hear it and obey it and walk walk it out. The Lord simply just says, stay with them. And I wish I was a perfect practitioner of that. And I'm not like, I'm just not, but I do enjoy practicing my faith (laughs) and being proved wrong
3: sometime. (laughs) So Michael didn't, Michael didn't write down all of his questions, but they just keep coming up, you know, the spirit's leading him in that. So it's good.
2: I got a question for you. You Um, so you mentioned Rachel, right? You bet. So one thing I run into in disciple making all the time is guys who want to lead their household, but don't know where to start. Right. And, mm-hmm. and they have wives who want them to lead their household, but don't want to let them. Yeah. Right. So. So how did your marriage change as a result of, of what Jesus did for you?
0: Oh, man, it's a fantastic question, Stan. So w- when I came to Christ, I was 24 years old um, and I was I was I wasn't I wasn't dating Rachel at the time because we were I was a mess. But the honest truth was, is that Rachel came to Christ early on in her life. All right. She came to Christ at the age of seven. And then she veered back and forth all through her years to where she kind of recommitted her life to Christ at 20. So she had a lot of word in her, right? just a lot of word, the way that she was wired in the apex, she was designed to hear the voice of Jesus. And so there was just, the word was deep inside of her. And so you can imagine like in our first, in our first marriage counseling, like when we're I'm proposed to her and we're, we're getting married and our very first fight was I sat down across from her and I said, I need to know if you will submit to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. yeah. yeah. And man, like she'd unloaded. Right. And uh, a mentor of mine named Halley Hambrass, he's like, like we basically throw down right in front of him. And his, we look at him going, help us here. And his response was, I'm really glad that you guys can be honest in front of me. <laughs> 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 but for the first few years of our marriage, honestly, it was a struggle. Like I, because I didn't have a lot of word in me and she did, I would say stuff that was wrong. And so she would roll her eyes at me, which would just tick me off. Right, And so we would kind of get into the circle of going, like, this isn't good. This isn't good. This isn't good. All right. Um, and and because I'm having a quiet time and I'm not abiding with Christ, I'm just having a quiet time. The word is beginning to seep into me. Like I'm doing ministry. Like the word is seeping into me. And I, I can remember when we were living in Paragould, Arkansas, like there was a decision to make. Right. And she she comes to me and she says, hey, I, I want you to make. it." All right. Like she gives me the authority to lead. I made the wrong decision. All right. Like after I made the wrong decision, like, like it came to fruition and it was like it was just the wrong decision. And, and, and Rachel knew that it was the wrong decision, but she let me make it anyway. And after that moment, what I realized with what Rachel was doing was she was submitting herself to Christ so that I could so that I could lead. And I and I led wrongly. And, and for her to watch that story play out probably was was death to her. But in the same vein, she let it play out. But I recognized, like I completely recognize the fact that she's like she's letting me lead, even though she knows that I'm not on the vine. In that, it changed me. She trusts me to lead us, like she's given me the authority to lead us. All right, so it started with her. It did not start with me. Like, yeah. Like women, if you hear this, like it started with her. It did not start with me. And it's because you women are smarter than we are. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Oh, Amen. Word. <laughs> Truth. But the beauty of God's grace to me was it, it took one time for me to go. I need to get my crap together. I need to get I need to, like, if she's entrusted me to lead her well, then I need to lead us well financially. I need to lead us well spiritually. Like I need, like she's trusting me in this. And so I, I began to shift, like, praise God that she didn't have to do it over and over and over and over again, you know, but she, she let me lead, even though she knew I wasn't ready and it shifted us standing like it, it completely shifted us. And from that moment on, I kind of took the lead as the leader of the house. It started with one person's obedience, I guess is at the end of the day, you know, right. the one who had to give up their rights the most.
1: I think it, I think it always starts with one person's obedience. Right. <laughs> like I don't I don't know who I don't know who quoted it but man it was something that always it's kind of like it, it's penetrated into me and it was something like man, like when Jesus is in the garden he's praying yeah. like lord let this cup pass right and it's just like not your will but my will but lord like if I must drink of this cup then I will do it yeah you know and it's I think what they said was man, mean if, if Jesus didn't walk out his obedience mm-hmm. where would we be amen and then they followed up yeah. with like when you don't walk out your obedience where are others yeah, yeah. man I remember like man <laughs> right you know right You know,
0: it reminds me of the end of Matthew, of Matthew 21, you know, like the has said love of the Lord is like his loving kindness and faithfulness to us. Like it's, it's good news. But in that text, like he has, like he has warned people who will not shift their minds over and over and over again. And finally he quits warning them. And he says, the things of the kingdom have now been ripped from you and given to someone else. And I think it's, it's a fair story for all, all people listening and going, man, like if the Lord is on you about changing your mind, right. With how you deal with your spouse, how you deal with, like if he's on you about this, he goes like there will come a time where the Lord will rip the kingdom from your hand and give it to someone else. Yeah. yeah. So do not have a stiff neck at yeah. the end of the day.
1: Do not harden your heart and act actually a rebellion. Yeah, that's come exactly
0: on. right. Quit circling the mountain and go North. Come
1: on. <laughs> yeah. Come on.
3: I, I got, I've got one more question. So, um, so this is a, this is like a practical question. Right. Um, and, and I think what's kind of cool is that like, this is kind of played out here as we're, as we're sitting here talking, like I'm, I'm watching, you know, or I'm listening, like, and ask the question and you and you listen to that question and you rephrase it to make sure that like you heard the question properly and like it it's something that like one like we talk a lot about apes giftings right and and we know there's like a mature side to those and there's an immature side to it and so we all have these different set of giftings that that make up the body but like for me the the lord has been trying to grow me in my ability to shepherd and and like we like we know like that's part of you so some of that is is your natural gifting some of that is is you you maturing in in your gifting right and um and so i've been in uh, i've been i've been tracking through luke and in luke 2 um 246 and 47 it says and, and jesus is 12 years old here and it says after three days they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions and everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers and uh and like it's something that i see that you that you do really well that i'm that I'm trying to grow up in is my ability to like be be quick to listen, slow to speak, like to ask, ask the the right questions to get to the heart behind the matter. You know, like I'm, I'm reading through this and I'm like, this is a picture of, of the learning. Like he's, he's making observations. He's listening. He's asking questions to get to the why, and then he's delivering just the right word at at the right time. And so like, it's something that I, that I see you model well for us. And so like, is that something, my guess is you weren't just born with that. Right. But I mean, but maybe some of that you were, but like, like, speak into that a little bit. Yeah.
0: So man, that's a, that's a super awesome question. It, it honestly started for me by watching, like by watching sermons. So like, if you, if you listen to me, like, like, you know, that I'm not just a big fan of like three ways to get better in your finances and three ways to make your marriage better and three ways. Like I'm, I'm not big on those things because they're all symptoms of something else. And if you fix the symptom without actually fixing the cut that got behind it, then you've done nothing you've done you've done nothing and it's why it's why that those sermons while not evil may not contend, may not have much power because at the, at the root of all of them is some sort of unbelief and so I, I, as we got into disciple making like that's what you begin to understand is that there's just unbelief in people's like people believe stuff that's not true jesus says that out of the heart the mouth speaks and so it's the heart that's believing something that's not true okay and so i began to picture the heart just like an onion like it has multiple layers of it. And as we start the process of disciple making, the beauty of disciple making is this like we don't start here and end X amount of ways down the way. Like we walk with you until you're until you're well. And so they start with you, say this month or next month, and you slowly begin to pull back pieces of the onion. And the spirit leads you in that. Like the spirit's like, This is enough. This is enough, enough pressing into this story. And you you slowly peel back the onion and you put God's salve to that, his word, and they begin to get well. And then and then they come back and we peel back another piece of the onion. And then we put the to that, and then it gets well until we finally get to the core of the onion at one point. And then, and then once the core of the heart is well, everything else begins to get well. Like they truly become a tree planted by the river of life whose leaves stay green and, and due season bear fruit. And so, so man, like I would encourage like any listeners listen. is like the beauty of disciple-making is that you have to trust the Spirit on how far to push. You push them too hard, and they, and they may feel like you have beat them over the head. You don't push them hard enough, and nothing ever changes, which cannot be taught to you by any man. It can only be taught to you by Jesus. As you begin to unpeel their layers of their heart and they begin to get well and the things around them get well and they become the best form of evangelism that we've ever seen.
1: Amen. Cool. And that's what, that's what Joshua Cohen calls making salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question.
3: Great question back the young Man, it, as,
1: as you're speaking, I was reminded of First Corinthians, uh, ten, twenty-three. It says, "All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, and not all things will build up. Let the, no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor." Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. in that moment, you're saying, "Like we need to get to the source of the symptom." Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how we help our neighbor. That's
0: it. You know, and it, and we don't have to get to the source overnight. Right. Like the beauty of this is that, like, you're building spiritual family. You're building trust. You're eating dinner around the table. And if you if you only get through layer one, there. You got plenty of time to get through layer two and layer three, you know, until you get to the heart of the situation. And so, man, the beauty of disciple making is like we get we get time.
1: Yeah. Well again, it's like it's like what the word says right here. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Yeah. And each one will receive his condemnation from God.
0: Yeah, that's right. Full of the word today, MF.
1: <laughs> uh, he's been having me in it, so that's what we do. That's what we do. We abide, right? Yeah. We keep calm and we buy on. Exactly right. <laughs> Stay calm and stop along, friends. <laughs> for the next episode of the podcast, I think we're going to be actually sitting down with um, Travis Evans and Lori Evans and really kind of going through Travis's story of transformation and and the, transform, the transformation of their marriage and Lori Evans' transformation story about how disciple making has completely just changed their life. And I'm really, really excited to sit down with both of them just to hear their story. Their story is really good. It's amazing. I mean, I really encourage you, if you can, to, to tune in and listen. So Moix, before we always before we always say goodbye, Yeah, man, we always ask the guests to pray us out. So would you do the honors of praying oh, us out?
0: Yeah, Father, I praise your name for Michael Ferris. Like I praise your name for the day I met him at Ron's. I praise your name for the day we shared a burger, Father, and I praise your name for the day that he that he showed up at my house scared to death. And Lord, I would ask you to multiply his life a hundred times over. That the glory that was on me, Father, would fall doubly on top of him, Jesus, and that he would he would surpass me a thousand times over, Father. That you would multiply him, Father, that you would allow him to bear fruit, that you would bring him multipliers of a hundred and multipliers of sixty multiplier, Father. I would ask in Jesus' name. Father, I praise your name for Travis, for the restoration of his house, for the restoration of him, for the restoration of his marriage, Father, for the restoration of his kids. But I would praise your name, Father. Like I praise your name for him. Like I praise your name for the day that he stood up and said, "I will spend all night with Lord, with you." And Father, I'm asking you, like you continue to multiply him. Like he has a life worthy of following Jesus, and so continue just to multiply his life. Continue to bring oneness into his marriage. Like let his kids watch what happens when one man goes from brown to green. How one man can start a movement all by himself. Like when this house is open, Father, the Spirit of the living God is all upon him, and that he has been anointed to preach the good news to the poor. Father, and so open his mouth, Father, and let his evangelist roll. Jesus, I praise your name for my good friend back in Kansas City, for my friend Stanton Cole, and for the last eight years of our lives and for the fact that he's been making disciples despite the good and the bad of it, Lord. Father, I would ask, like, like where you have him planted, that, Father, that man, like, trees would grow, that, that fruit would multiply, Father, that his words would carry massive weight, that he would influence people left and right, that, Father, he would change cultures, that, Father, he would be constantly reminded that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is living through him and coursing through his veins, and that, Father, like, if anything messes with his mind, Father, that he would grab that stuff by the throat and he would tell it's what's true. And so Jesus would bless him, like, make his hands holy, keep his knees close to the ground, Father, and his eyes on you. Lord, I would ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone in the house said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. And thank you guys for listening in and grace and grace and peace.
0: Grace and peace.
1: Grace
2: and peace. See ya.